G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, our absolute privilege today to connect with the founder of one of the largest mission movements in the world, and he's known as a statesman of mission endeavour, having spent 40 years serving the extreme poor in Asia. His best-known book is called Revolution in World Missions. It was published back in the 1980s, and it's been described as a part two of the Book of Acts. In fact, has sold four million copies. Our guest today is K.P. Yohannan, the founder of Gospel for Asia, that is today spread across 16 nations around the world. K.P. Yohannan, in fact, has written more than 200 books, and today we'll talk to him about his latest book. It's a special one. It's called Never Give Up, The Story of a Broken Man Impacting a Generation. You see, in recent years, K.P. Yohannan, Gospel for Asia, and the Believer's Eastern Church have been embroiled in deep legal battles with accusations of impropriety around a land purchase in India. However, the long-standing controversy for Believer's Church has ended with a clean verdict from the High Court of Kerala in India. Well, our conversation today is with K.P. Yohannan, who serves as the Metropolitan Bishop of Believers Eastern Church and somewhere in the vicinity of 12,000 congregations. He's the founder of one of the largest childcare projects in India called Bridge of Hope and he's the host of the broadcast called Road to Reality, heard on over 900 radio stations around the world. K.P. Yohannan, a special Aussie welcome. Nice to talk to you. Wow, thank you. Um, I'm so blessed and privileged uh, to have this opportunity, Neil, to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to focus on your latest book, Never Give Up. It tells your spiritual journey in what you call a forest fire of grief and pain. And I wonder whether we might just start with that emotion or that challenging insight into what happens to leaders when there are accusations that are thrown at them. Uh, You've been in the middle of that for some years now. A forest fire of grief and pain. Here in Australia, we know what bushfires are like. Devastating. But forest fire is the same. Grief and pain. Give us your insight here, KP. Well, Neil, before I kind of start talking with you um, about that, uh, it so happened that um, I was able to listen to your radio station for, I think, what, seven minutes. And um, I said to myself, this is unbelievable. That is the clarity and the uh, absolute soberness in the way um, you and uh, your people um, s- set things on the radio, like uh, 
the going to gather face to face gathering around the holy communion table and um, uh, the comments about um, the the unique call of god's people uh, not to uh, be fighting with the government or this side that side but but his in this world and you know i i as you know i do hundreds of radio interviews this is one of the rare occasions i said my goodness these people are very special and um uh, the the voice they represent um truly uh, from heavenly father and god's word and i just can't help but thank you neil for uh, who you are and this radio station and um this is rare and i congratulate uh, the radio station and uh, the vision christian radio and all you do for god's people not only in australia but around the world and i just can't help but make those statements i hope you don't mind well i can just humbly say thank you for those nice compliments and it is a real privilege for us in australia to be able to have a platform where we have spokespeople like the previous guest that you heard whose name is Martin Isles uh, who's able to speak those sorts of words of wisdom and for our listeners to be able to capture something of the heartbeat of what it is to be a Christian in the 21st century. So thank you so much for those compliments and no doubt uh, the leaders uh, here at Vision Radio will be very thrilled to uh, to know that uh, that you've made those complimentary remarks. KP, let's come back to the reason for writing your mm-hmm. book and I do want to get into some deeper things so let's deal with the controversy early so we can get into some other wonderful issues mm-hmm. around what it is to have faith in Christ today but these controversies regarding the purchase of an estate uh, you've been cleared by the Kerala High Court uh, but you went through a dreadful time the legal battle over a four-year period it drove you to the depths of despair, and when you signed up to be the leader, you probably didn't think that you would be expected to go through those depths. But take us into a little idea here about the despair that you suffered. Yeah, you know, Neil, just to paint a tiny background, um, you know, I was I just finished my high school um, back in India when I heard uh, George Orwell the director of Operation Mobilization, speak in a mission conference in Bangalore. Uh, that evening, uh, you know, I hardly sat that, slept that all night, but surrendered my life to serve my Lord. Uh, and I said, Lord, all I have is uh, a skinny body of mine, and I don't have any money and no degrees. And if that's what you want here, I'm uh, giving everything I have to you. And um, um, I, my longing in life from that day on was to live for him. And if any human being I want to imitate uh, as a man, it was Mahatma Gandhiji and um, later uh, Mother Teresa. And so I, I really didn't have anything on my mind except uh, be his as long as he allowed me to live. And I've been beaten up and stoned and persecuted many, many times during the eight years of my life serving God in India and uh, neighboring nations in South um, uh, Asian countries. Um, but then coming to the um, United States in 74 to do my seminary in Dallas, 
um, you know, soon I was called to uh, be a clergy of an American congregation. Um, and I, I was there four years. Uh, that's when uh, such incredible conviction came upon my heart from the Lord. I said, son, this is not your life uh, should be. Half of the world never heard my name. Give your life um, uh, to let these people know I died for them on the cross, I rose again, and I'm their hope. And this when I resigned from my pastorate um, and uh, started uh, the Gospel for Asia, GFA World Movement. And, um, um, uh, you know, as you said, um, you know, Neil, I, I did write 270 books so far, and I have not taken one penny royalty to my name. And, um, you know, when you have an organization that is $100 million budget, other organizations in my place would be making the leaders uh, $1 million salary a year or more and all the facilities and everything. And my wife and I raise our two kids, both are serving God, and we just uh, get enough money just to meet our needs. Uh, that's all, uh, which in the United States is, you know, thirty, forty. $50,000, never more than that a year. But anyway, the reason I said that to you, um, you know, when um, uh, the, the ministry became so huge in so many nations, all of a sudden, uh, we began to face this massive attack. It was a nightmare from nowhere because I, all I had in my life was my reputation, my uh, integrity, and uh, never been questioned ever uh, by anyone, uh, friends or enemies. But then we realized uh, that there was a conspiracy started 10 years prior to the uh, U.S. court case that um, we were raising these huge amount of money, and I was becoming uh, uh, a multimillionaire, rich, um, making riches for myself, and we were not doing anything we were saying. And uh, that a conspiracy began actually, believe it or not, in South Asia, and they hired people in the United States to file a case against us saying um, this was all a fraud and I was a con artist and all those. And, uh, Neil, what happened is that we, we hired a um, you know, public relations company and um, lawyers and all that, and they said, um, don't say a word uh, to public. Uh, don't defend yourself. We, we we will fix everything. And three years goes by, Neil. We didn't open our mouth defending myself or anything we do, but suffer. Um, the bloggers, um, huge amount of money that was spent by who are behind it uh, to destroy uh, our mission. And um, I didn't know what to do. And I, I said to God, what have I done? I, I don't have anything. I don't own anything. The only thing I own as a car is a 1962 Volkswagen Bug uh, anywhere in the world. And um, I live in a house in the campus um, uh, here in the United States with 700 acres of land and all our staff live here, the North American uh, diocese um, um, and mission, and also India. I, I live um, uh, in an old 200-year-old little house um, um, in the um, Senate headquarters, or which is uh, Wapikan, whatever. Um, so I didn't know what to do. I, I was absolutely um, uh, helpless. And um, um, 
And then, of course, you know, the end of the long story is that, um, you know, we hired the top, um, you know, the auditing firm, uh, one of the top in the whole world in the United States and also in India spent um, over a million dollars to do the audit of the entire finances and found out we were absolutely clean. We Nobody ever stole any money, all the money accounted for and everything. But, you know, you go through a forest fire like you had in Australia and you get burned and uh, you are never the same again. And I never in my life been through uh, such emotional stress to the extent I thought one time the best is to end my life because I didn't know which way to go. And I, God didn't talk to me and it was everything was so silent and, um, you know, thrown out into the uh, uh, emptiness. Um, but I must tell you, um, about 16 years ago, um, the Lord began to lead me into a journey with what Wachamani called the darkest night of my soul, where, you know, with all my degrees, all the writing of books, and being a mission leader of the, possibly the largest movement people talk about, um, and all this stuff, Neil, I found myself as the best lawyer for God. But in my heart of heart, I just couldn't touch him. I, I said to myself, am I really saved even? Am I really, uh, where is his God? And I was in desperate search. After I became the uh, bishop and metropolitan of our church. And uh, that journey um, led me to read the ancient church fathers, desert mothers, desert fathers, and the early church of 300 years, and learn about um, the reality um, God is not somebody who I need to understand or explain, but to experience. And during this uh, three, four years of massive crisis, which God's mercy we came through, uh, this was a time finally I realized, uh, you know, what do I have here on earth and hereafter? Only my Lord and nothing else I want whether good or bad, good reputation, bad reputation. And um, uh, so, you know, that, that that's what led me to write this book, Never Give Up. And that book itself has a story, by the way, that I didn't want to do it, but how the Lord led me to do that, and now um, it is a reality. There's a lot of dimensions in your book, and I do want to take you deeper in just a few moments. We're going to take a very quick break. But I do want to come back and I want to ask you, KP, uh, where all this started, uh, what led to, uh, as you call it, the darkest night of your soul, wondering where God is, even contemplating suicide. And you're the leader of a church movement. Such is the pressure, such is the forest fire of grief and pain. I do want to ask you something very important in just a moment. We'll come back. Uh, but I want to ask you where those accusations came from and listeners to our conversation may be surprised. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, our special guest is KP Yohannan, and we have been talking about 
going through the forest fire of grief and pain when your organisation is held to account because of accusations about impropriety and that's the reason for the latest book that K.P. Yohannan has written and in my introduction I said K.P. Yohannan has written 200 books, Uh, he's brought a correction there, 270 books. Some of those, of course, uh, in English language, others written for Asian uh, languages as well. KP, when you set the scene, and I really wanted to just let you describe your lifestyle before we get into the next part of our conversation, uh, people will be surprised that you you do live in a house in India and you live in a house in in the United States when you're there. You're still driving the 1960s Volkswagen that uh, you've had for so many years. Uh, one of the houses that you live in in India is like 260 years old. It's not like it's a luxury um, uh, sort of uh, you know luxury uh, pad for uh, uh, for you know making a big display. Let me ask you this question that takes us deeper here. When the accusations came of the impropriety around the land deal and what happens with the millions of dollars that are being sewn into your ministry for the good of reaching out to those people across Asia, where did those accusations come from? Well, you know, there's this interesting um statement Jesus made, um, let others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. (laughs) And then um, another time he said, um, don't let your um, right hand know what you do with the left hand or left hand know what you do with the right hand. It is kind of a... um, a uh, complicated situation for years because of my background uh, raised with operational organization, I guess, I said to myself, you know, we do what the Lord called us to do. Um, you know, uh, we are never a group that go out and say, please give us money and we are dying, we are desperate, those things we never did. But serve the Lord and be quiet and did what we did. Um so we never made publicity as to the massiveness, the largeness of our ministry anywhere, but people just discovered that um, these accusations that we had to deal with uh, came because, you know, Neil, this is where I think the Lord helped me also during my crisis. You just go to Google and type in uh, rich um, uh, pastors, television evangelists, and Christian leaders. You would be shocked to find out how many hundreds of sites will come up? People owning one airplane, two jets, and massive um, um, houses all over the world, and all kind of things. And uh, people, uh, leaders who don't take any money, salary from their church because they're multi-millionaires through the books they wrote, and all kind of things. And um, by life, I'm not saying I'm a perfect human being because 20 years of preaching the gospel, Saint Paul said he was a chief for sinners. And I pray every single day a thousand times, Lord, um, have mercy on me, a sinner, which is called the Jesus prayer. So um, I would say, you know, Jesus faced um, uh, then and now uh, accusations. His name is never cleared. And um, um, the prophets faced it. Um, Paul faced it. His closest friend, Demas, 
abandoned him. And what happened to us is that because of the millions of people coming to the experience the love of God, especially in the 1040 window, Satan and demons rose up uh, as he always did. You read in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, 30 years of history, and we were uh, attacked. Uh, the way he did it was that they targeted me as an individual, um, and uh, the aim was not uh, to kill me, but rather destroy our image and reputation and cut off our support from people who were supporting us financially. That was a target. And um, the sad thing is, uh, Neil, uh, when we saw when a horrible article written about me uh, that I was driving the most expensive European sports car and um, I live in a $10 million house and all kinds of lies, um, uh, we actually hired um, a group uh, to uh, uh, find out w- who is doing all this. And strange enough, we learned that uh, this guy who wrote this stuff against us, he was paid by um, radical religious fundamentalist group uh, that is set up in the United States, funded uh, from uh, people in Southeast Asia. And uh, then we found out at least a dozen uh, people who claim to be Christians, uh, who say they belong to Christ, they became um, the the uh, the avenue uh, they used to attack us. Uh, court case was a small problem, I think, because in the end, the court cleared our name here in the United States, and the people, the lawyers agreed after going to India and other countries that we were clean, money was never misused, um, that I didn't make any riches of myself. Uh, that's all cleared. But the bloggers, the people who began to uh, write uh, horrible things about on social media caused literally thousands and thousands of uh, people to stop the financial support uh, of the mission and the work of God. And uh, the sad thing is that, um, you know, this is where I, you have to forgive me if I'm, you know, stepping on anybody's um, reputation or whatever. I, I have come to uh, the place uh, now I think, is this Protestant or evangelical Christianity really is uh, authentic uh, to the biblical Christianity or is a cultural Christianity uh, that is created for their own life and um, happy living here on earth? Because I could not imagine Christian uh, brothers who know Jesus Christ would be attacking us or anyone. I mean, I know a lot of Christian leaders, also crazy people, but I don't attack them because I do not know uh, if they will become saints in a few years' time and turn to God. And I'm uh, hardcore orthodox in my heart um, with belief and practice uh, because of the early fathers and how they lived. Um, and and um, died for the sake of Jesus Christ who gave his life for them. And I um, do not feel I'm better than anyone else. Honestly, I don't. But um, the truth of the matter is this, Western Christianity, I do not know how it is in Australia. That's the reason I made the earlier comments about Vision Christian Radio. I was a little surprised by the uh, unique sound and the words I heard. Um, I do not know about 
I've been to Australia a couple of times, but I don't know a whole lot about your country. But Western Christianity generally, um, I would say, hate suffering. They denounce suffering and all the books and all the stuff they write about prosperity gospel to everything else is Jesus came and he was poor to make us rich. This is a damning devilish gospel. KP, we're uh, going to continue our conversation and uh, listeners can hear your heartbeat, no doubt. Uh, the, The accusations that came came from within the body of Christ. Uh, different brands of Christianity. Uh, KP, let me just bring what our listeners have been thinking about our conversation today because on our Facebook page, I've asked the question today for listeners to respond. If you have to go through grief and pain, do you pray for the pain to stop or for the power to persevere? And I can tell you the latest update figures, 35% say you pray for the pain to stop and 65% say you pray for the power to persevere. Uh, These polls that I run each day are a little bit like a real-time update on what listeners are thinking about our conversation, but I wonder whether you've got some thoughts on that question. Do you pray for the pain to stop or for the power to persevere? Well, my answer is that both both groups are right in it, you know, when we face whatever we face and pray for, in the end, as uh, St. James said, we must conclude our prayer by saying, Lord, may your will be done. And we are told so much about uh, standing against demons and dark forces, rebuking them, casting them out, and laying hand on the sick and healing them. And um, so there is um, a a reality of um, the invisible God um, acting on the behalf of those that um, um, live for him and uh, manifest his life on earth. But on the other hand, uh, the entire scripture and history of the uh, Old Testament people of God and New Testament people of God, uh, the 30 years of church history in the book of Acts tells us suffering uh, is a part of life in understanding the nature of God. In Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4, this amazing verse that changed my thinking 16 years ago, that is, we are called to partake of its divine nature. That uh, it is like, Neil, you and I go and look at an incredibly beautiful uh, rose uh, as big as the moon, and then we start by being intoxicated by the scent, the smell. But we look at each other and we wish somehow we could enter into that, but we can't. As C.S. Lewis said, we stand outside. And the privilege the Lord gave to his people right now is not just understand redemption, salvation, forgiveness of sin, but actually be reconciled to God and have his divine energy uh, partake uh, by us and live um, as Jesus lived on earth. Not that we become gods, but so... In Acts chapter 4, you find Neil 
people were accused, abused, and they were, oh my goodness, uh, beaten up and everything. You do not find those people praying, oh God, please save us from this persecution. Please heal us. Please deliver us. Uh, no, they just prayed, Lord, this is all about your son. And um, um, in Acts chapter 7, uh, son Stephen, uh, that saint, he didn't pray, God, uh, just don't just stand up there in heaven, come down and do something about it. I represent you. I, I only am speaking the truth and nothing else. Um, and um, But he's given the privilege to see Jesus. Um, and he stole death, and he didn't pray, nothing more than, dear Lord, they just don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. Hey, because hey. he knew, yes. I, I was going to say, with those stories from the book of Acts, uh, where there is persecution, where there is real pain, and as you tell the story of Stephen, and uh, we could tell the story of the apostles from the Gospels and uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, there is a certain sense here in which you yourself have been through some physical challenge as well. You tell the story in your book of being surrounded by a militant mob and being beaten and kicked and uh, bruised, and I wonder whether, uh, when we're talking about having the darkness of the soul, when you're going through all sorts of accusations, uh, whether there's a comparison between the physical suffering that you might have gone through in being beaten for your faith, as you have been, and the idea of going through the court system and being beaten for your faith, as you have been. What are your thoughts in there? Is there a comparison? Well, Neil, to be honest with you, um, I all the physical suffering I faced uh, in my um, 50 years of journey in serving God uh, is, was nothing compared to the uh, awful uh, demonic attack on my emotions and mind um, and um, uh, Completely abandoned, completely abandoned by God and everything else. I didn't know what happened. And um, uh, God in his mercy walked in like, you know, in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, where Aslan appears. Uh, the darkness flees and the almost the demons I could see in my room in that night dancing around. Um, uh, all of a sudden I came to my senses and I said, Dear Lord, what happened to me? What, how I felt so ashamed. And I began to pray, Lord, I don't ask this pain to be removed, this emotional stress, um, but give me faith not to lose hope in you. And I want to finish this race uh, well. And then I was reminded of what Jesus said to St. Peter, you know, uh, you are going to be destroyed by demons, by temptations. And I prayed that your faith will not fail. And, um, you know, uh, Neil, in um, the Orthodox believers in many countries today, like in Middle East, uh, you must have read about the 21 people who were caught and their heads were cut off. Each one was asked, would you deny Christ? They smiled and said, no, this is our life. Jesus is our life. And they cut their heads off. And even today it happens in many countries, I can tell you. And um, the suffering uh, that we go through in this uh, temporary life only help us to enter into the 
deeper understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ based on Philippians chapter 3. So for me, uh, I, I still go through agony. I still um, hurt. Um, uh, one Christian psychiatrist told me, um, Mother Paulton, please don't think you are going to be completely well for next two years. Um, I don't deny what he said maybe, but I still have um, the, the, the sorrow and the agony I go through. But then I realize now I kneel and pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, now I understand a little bit of your suffering, your loneliness, and your pain. Please help me not to lose my heart. Wow. And uh, to reflect on the comparison of whatever suffering that any of us might go through today, as you say, it is only a little bit of the suffering that Jesus himself suffered for us going to the cross. It's not, it's not often, KP, that we have someone on this program who is able to reflect on issues aligned with the Eastern Orthodox Church. And that is where your church is aligned. And uh, some astute listeners will have picked up some terminology that you've uh, come to uh, to understand that we sometimes in the Western Church, and uh, some people will need a little explanation for that, and we haven't got time to, but the Eastern Church and the Western Church, uh, but the Eastern Church had discovered something very important around the idea of being a partaker in the divine nature. And if we talk about Jesus, the suffering servant, this is where we get this idea that we ought not to expect to avoid suffering because to identify with Jesus is to identify with his suffering. But when you talk about the sort of things that perhaps even are a little bit unique and specific to the Eastern style of the church, uh, how do you how do you connect that with the suffering and with the idea of persevering? Well, you know, lots of people will suffer. You know, the coronavirus, you know, we are serving among millions of people who are starving to death and our thousands of our churches provide food and care for them. There is suffering for all kinds of people. But this suffering we are talking about, it is uh, um, very unique in it that we are not alone suffering, but we are with Christ. And we know why we go through this. And that gives us the strength. You know, many people uh, think that obedience to God in everything and be perfectly right moral uh, conduct and uh, Ten Commandments is to be spiritual and will go to heaven. But the Bible is not talking like that. Um, obedience, yes, it's important. But you remember Abraham obeyed God and gave up everything in the world. And finally, when he raised this knife to slaughter his son, Abraham was told, God said, Abraham, don't do this. Now I know that you fear God. Orthodox or Eastern faith need uh, is not um, uh, something where God is your buddy and your friend and do everything for you and you can command him this and that. No, you see the greatness of God and you see the sinfulness of us less than dust and um, uh, the, the, the sense of, you know, the reason I pray Jesus' prayer a thousand times a day or what or more I can uh, continually, Lord Jesus, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. And the older I get, I'm 70 years old now, the, the, the smaller, the less and the hopeless I feel. Not that I'm introspective and feel depressed about my life. No, I realize how great God is, how amazing creator he is. And I'm having the privilege to share his life, humility and, and his brokenness and his love and his compassion uh, and forgiveness through my earthen vessel. And that happens through the school of suffering that I have experienced. And, you know, when I was a little boy, Neil, um, we kids used to go to a blacksmith shop and he takes his cold steel and put it in the fire and we kids thought he lost the iron because the whole thing turned into the same blue flame color as um, the, the fire he was uh, working with. Uh, but uh, that iron never lost uh, its it's content. He pulled it out and put in the water. The hiss sound comes out. We as human beings, we can enter into the energies of God. And we don't change our life to be spiritual. No, he changes us. And this is the mystery of godliness. And um, so I would say to every KP, have we still got you? It sounds like we might have just lost KP uh, in this part of our conversation. KP, do we have you back? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Right. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, something went astray. Uh, we were. I just like to pick up where we were at and uh, come back to these ideas of suffering that we've been talking about. Uh, going through suffering when you're leading a Christian ministry the way that you have done. And you're talking about a, a dark time in your life, a dark night of the soul, and uh, describing it even in your book as going through your own Gethsemane and uh, in that sense of understanding Jesus as he was suffering in pre preparation of going to the cross. Uh, this is something here that, you know, when you were thinking about giving up, uh, you even had thoughts of, suicide and uh, that will be shocking for some people to think that uh, the leader of a Christian church might have those thoughts but such is the darkness that you are contending with and you choose to then press on into God and accept the suffering that he has brought just uh, we don't have much time in our conversation but uh, what is your thought here because the title of your book is never give up your thoughts here on persevering when things are really, really beyond even facing just how hard they are? Well, the truth of the matter is, the, the, he allowed this in my life, which is I never experienced this, this huge pain and loneliness and um, abandonment. But uh, uh, he will not allow um, uh, crisis, temptation in our life beyond our ability to uh, handle it. And the last minute, just like Aslan uh, showed up uh, to Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis book, he showed up. And um, uh, I would say uh, throughout our life on earth, um, especially this coronavirus uh, season, we realize death is part of life and live in the light of eternity and realize Jesus suffered all through his life to obey and be his fathers on earth. And this is also our call. Never get discouraged because it is worth living and dying for his sake. 
And all that I do, I don't do it because I want to get some reward or some um, this and that. No, I just, I'm so happy I'm living for him, with him. And every Sunday, go to church and, and partake of the Eucharist. I realize, my Lord, you are here. It's you. And there's no greater privilege in this life than suffer and pay the price to be his and change the world around us by his love through our life. KP, it is unusual to be able to hear the story that you're telling and that you told in your book, Never Give Up, a modern story of suffering and how you deal with that, how you commit and decide to persevere rather than give up. And so I do want to invite listeners to get a hold of your book. It's called Never Give Up. And uh, it's described as a history-making account that will inspire and help others during troubled times in their lives. In fact, uh, great recommendations coming from even your friend, uh, George Verwer, who was the founder of Operation Mobilisation and uh, someone you highly respect. Now, I encourage listeners, simply Google the name of the book, Never Give Up, K.P. Yohannan, you can Google K.P.'s name. You can also uh, search and look into uh, some of the other issues that we've been talking about around the church, uh, around the controversy. And uh, Believer's Eastern Church is the name of the movement that K.P. founded, uh, 12,000 congregations around the world. Uh, K.P., it's just been an absolute privilege uh, having you on the program today and talking through these issues. And uh, may God's richest blessing and his grace go before you, even as you work through some of the challenges that are still ahead. And just before I let you go, uh, there are still challenges ahead. And no doubt you're looking to take... Uh, the whole uh, Gospel for Asia movement to the next level. Just quickly, uh, any any sort of initiative that you can let us in on, any plans to take Gospel for Asia and the Believers Eastern Church to new levels in Asia? Yes, I know the latest is that we are praying and working toward moving to Rwanda in Africa uh, to care for tens of thousands of children that um, are with our parents and helpless and also start um, a seminary there and work with the church there and also, uh, you know, praying for a couple of other countries that I can't mention names um, to send workers um, to share the gospel in these nations. You know, nearly three billion people live in our world that still wait to hear the gospel. And uh, people in Australia, the churches, uh, they are very good friends to us. And uh, all, it, just go to gfa.org. They can find all the information um, for prayer and how they can also be involved in reaching the lost world. GFA.org and uh, you could be involved in those new developments and I wish we had more time to talk around all sorts of issues like the way that you train up and use nationals in their particular language and culture group. Uh, You don't like to bring outsiders in. You want to train up those nationals as you've done in 56 Bible schools that you've founded in 10 countries and training up 9,000 ministers. Uh, Just our absolute privilege to get your insights today. K.P. Yohannan, uh, go to that website, gfa.org, and find out some more and get a hold of the book Never Give Up. K.P., thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. 
Neil, thank you so much. I'm blessed. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.